Please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 42. That song was written from our passage this morning. Psalm 42. We are nearing the end of our series here on songs in the night. My song in the night and um, title of the message this morning is When the Waves Keep Coming. When the Waves Keep Coming. In verse 8 of Psalm 42 says, And his song will be with me in the night. His song will be with me in the night. And so we have been, over the last several weeks, looking at songs of lament as the Bible so helpfully um, portrays the emotions that we go through. And so as we have been journeying through this, I realized that uh, as we talked about that spectrum all the way back from week one, that there are a variety of people on the spectrum of discouragement slash depression and um, I understand that sometimes just a few weeks doesn't solve it. Um, some people are stronger today than they were before. But um, we must continue to go to the Word and nourish our souls with it. And we're so thankful for the songs of Lent. Thankful for Scott's ministry in our lives last week as he was um, so helpful in just helping us understand Psalm 139 and uh, the fact that God knows every part of us. And so when we think about lament in general, um, just by way of review, it's, it's a passionate expression of sorrow. And while that is um, appropriate in life and, and true, when we look at a, a biblical lament, it takes it a few steps further, and it really is that, that passionate expression of grief, but in the form of prayer, but it doesn't leave us in our grief, it actually takes us to the point of trusting in our God. And that's the pathway that we go from sorrow to praise. And sometimes that's a path, pathway that needs to happen constantly throughout the day. Um, sometimes it's throughout the week. And sometimes it's even uh, at moments in our years. And so we have just the regular occurrence in the scripture when we see questions, real, raw questions, being asked from God's children. Why God? Why are you allowing this? Why is this happening? And so we see this pattern of biblical lament that really helps us understand that it is appropriate to run to God. He is our Father, and we, we go to Him. He's a good Father, and so there's this address to our God that we find in the lament. So we go to the right place. And then there's typically a complaint, a godly complaint. So it's not a murmur uh, necessarily, but it's, it's a, uh, a situation, kind of just an explanation. God, this is where I am, and this is where I'm hurting, and this is, this is my need in this moment. And so there's this complaint to the Lord. There's also then typically a request asking God to work on behalf of the writer or the individual. And then as well, it typically ends with an expression of trust. And so that's kind of the biblical pattern of lament. And we've seen that throughout many of the Psalms. And as we look at Psalm 42 today, we'll see some of those elements in this passage. 
If you um, are familiar with the Psalms at all, you'll understand that Psalm 42 and 43 probably were written together. Um, there, there isn't a title given to 43, and the, the, there's such a similar, uh, so many similar themes in the two that it probably was one psalm at one time and, and was divided. But we're going to focus mostly on Psalm 42. We will look um, at 43 just briefly at the end. But as we look at songs in the night, um, they have had many descriptions in the, in the different passages that we've walked through. Um, but this particular psalm pictures what the writer is feeling, and he illustrates it really through nature. And um, he, he uses some pictures in nature to help us understand his emotional perspective and what he is feeling as far as his discouragement and depression is concerned. If you look in the text, we understand just the rough place that he is in because of his own words. In verse 5, he says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Verse 6, he says, O God, my soul is in despair within me. Verse 11, he as well says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And so we have from the writer himself saying that he is in a rough spot. He is struggling with the situation in his life. We don't know a lot of details about the circumstances for our writer today. Some of the psalms that we've looked at, we've we've been able to kind of pinpoint exactly what was going on in the situation. This is more of a general situation where we just know that there is a writer here uh, being inspired by God, but he is going through a very difficult place, a a difficult hard time. And so we see his expression of his grief and his sorrow and his despair and his depression. And yet we as well see that we are pointed to the right direction in that place. He points us to God when he says on a couple occasions in the psalm, hope in God. And so let's uh, look at just three simple points this morning. The first one is uh, the psalmist sings of his drought. The psalmist sings of his drought. Look at verse 1. It says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day, where is your God? So we have here just the illustration from nature in regards to water and, um, and what water does. It satisfies, it brings refreshment. And he says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul really longs and thirsts for you, O God. What is he saying here? He's saying that he is in a drought where, where he understands the, the, the way that life goes in regards to the need of nourishment and revitalization and how that can come through being hydrated and water. And he gives the illustration of a deer and, and the way the deer runs and works throughout the day and in need of that to sustain life. He is within his soul feeling that need of God to be there. But he cannot, in a sense, find God where he is right now in this 
feeling of discouragement and despair. As the deer pants for the water, so does my soul, God, pant for you, but I cannot find you. Think about a time in your life when you have um, maybe been a little dehydrated. Uh, Maybe perhaps you have been in a situation or a season in life where you have just worked many, many hours or, or it was very difficult labor and you found yourself just at a place like the description of the, the deer panting for water, but you were just really at the end. Maybe you had a bright idea one day that you were going to run a marathon or, or you were going to run some sort of race and so you train for it and then you get to that moment and, and you're the day of the race and, and you're there and you're working hard and, and, and you, you have that feeling of you just have to have refreshment or you, you feel like you're just going to pass out. Uh, I had the opportunity to play soccer in college um, in my freshman year um, when we got to preseason. Um, we were in the north woods of Wisconsin, and it was September, August, late August, September, and so it got cooler up north earlier. And so the mornings were really early, and uh, our soccer coach um, just loved us so much uh, during those days of preseason that he required us to get up uh, around 5 or 5.30 in the morning to uh, just enjoy the early morning hours in regards to uh, getting basically in shape. And so he would require us to do what he called uh, was the Indian run. Uh, Other people have called it different things. But um, for us, uh, getting up super early in the morning when it was really cold. And, you know, most of the time, 18 years of age, trying to get out of bed at at 5 in the morning, you're literally just rolling out of bed. You're not thinking about getting hydrated and preparing accurately for what's about to take place. And so here we are, our whole team out... uh, Uh, on the soccer field early in the morning trying to do the Indian run. The Indian run is basically where you start and you run together and it really determined however many miles he wanted us to run that day. But uh, you would have the group had to stay together and the last person in line had to sprint up to the front um, and then it was a continual, uh, basically, sprint for the last person. And, and you did your miles together as a team. And he thought this was a wonderful team-building exercise and just a wonderful uh, experience uh, for getting into shape. And it probably did help, and it probably did work on some level. But I remember vividly feeling as though I was probably going to die in moments like that. And, and when it was your turn to sprint, and you had to do it because the whole team is, is basically watching you. You had to get to the front of that line. And, and so you did it, but then that feeling of, okay, I think, I think I'm actually going to pass out in this moment because I, I need refreshment, I need nourishment, and, and I'm, I'm just not going to make it. That is really, and maybe you haven't had that traumatic of a, a moment, uh, but you remember a time when you just needed hydration. That's where the psalmist is saying his soul is. He is in a drought. And, and he says, my soul longs for this, right? As the deer pants for the water brook, my soul pants for you, and my soul thirsts for, for you, God, the living God, when shall I come and appear before you? But what does he find instead? The water he finds, 
Verse 3, he says, My tears have been my food day and night. The nourishment that he longs for, he is not finding. He is in a drought. One of the hardest places, apparently, in his life. And yet, we see that he is continually running to God, looking for God to work on his behalf. He is not staying where he is. He is looking to his God. Now, part of the frustration we see here in our, in our text this morning and what he is experiencing are his memories. Look at verse 4. He says, These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving and multitude and keeping festival. This is the frustration for him. Because he says, I remember feeling the good times. I, I remember the presence of God and that sense of him being there. I remember times of worship with God's people. He says, I used to go with others and be with people. I used to go with the group and even lead them to the ascent to the temple of worship. And I would enjoy those times of fellowship and festivals and parties. So where he is right now is not where he once was. And he says, I remember those days. I remember those feelings of joy. And in a sense, he's lost them. And we see here in verse 4, he says, I pour out my soul within me. So the, the drought that he is experiencing is that that lack of nourishment and refreshment as he feels like God is not there. It's not true, but that's what he feels. And he remembers the days of old when things were very, very different. And they were vivid memories for him. And in one sense, they were lost. They are currently lost joys in his life. Now look at the second thing I would suggest as far as illustrations that the psalmist sings about. He sings about his drowning. In verse 7, he says, Deep calls to deep as the sound of your waterfalls, and your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. Another illustration of just water and the power of it. He says the roar of the waterfalls are basically empowering over him. He says your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The pounding of your waves depict the, the, really the sense of being overtaken. Uh, I was thinking this week as, uh, just through illustrations about this. And the one thing that came up regularly in my mind was just when you're a little kid, I don't know if you went to the beach and had this experience, but trying to float at the edge of the ocean so you didn't go out very far, but you know, you, it was shallow there and, and you would try to float and, and yet the waves would, would come up and, and they would kind of, uh, you know, somewhat overtake you, but, but your instinct would, would quickly, you know, when the wave would come over and potentially go over your face and you would get that water up your nose or your eye, you would, you would just quickly, instincts would, would kick in and you would stand up because you knew that it was, it was shallow right there. But that feeling of the waves coming over and that helplessness, that's where we see our writer as well. 
He's depicting it from a different perspective. Your waves have rolled over me. The powerful waves have swept over and from his perspective threatened to carry him away. Now, in this moment, he is having these thoughts of of abandonment from God. Look at verse 9. He says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries, they revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? He is concluding Their voices saying these things to him, but in his own heart, he is concluding that God has forgotten him, that there is an abandonment from his heavenly father and that God is not there. He says, why do I go about mourning? And and there are decent reasons for his discouragement and depression. And that's what I hope this series, has, a part of it has been helpful for you to understand that, that there are legitimate reasons for us to go through these things and for us to feel the way that we do as we go through these hard, pain, painful experiences of life. The way forward is not to deny the reasons of why you're there. We don't see that in Scripture. I know some Christians will say, you know, you, you, you just, you need to live the victorious life. You need to just, you, 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 and, and I understand their perspective. But we cannot be blind to the hardships of people. And, and we cannot just wish them away. They are real and they are there. And they are there because we live in a broken pagan world. And the scripture, if, if you take that approach of, well, you just got to focus on everything positive, everything that God has done for you, and every, you know, you are, we are forgiven and we are victorious in Christ. I totally agree with that and believe that. But you're taking a huge portion of the Bible and setting that aside when you say, just live this way. Both have to be addressed, and, and it leads us to trust and encouragement and strength and faithfulness. But the Apostle Paul was very clear about the things that he struggled with. He did not dismiss them, and he did not dismiss how he was feeling. There's multiple. First Corinthians, we have a passage. Romans 8, he says, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. The Apostle Paul did not dismiss and if anyone would, who, who was God used to, to build a theological grid in the scriptures, it was the Apostle Paul. And yet we see from his example, he dealt with the emotions, he dealt with the fears, he did not dismiss them. And so there are legitimate reasons many times, and we don't see that this particular author is in sin. We, we have talked about depression can come because of sin. We spent a couple weeks along that. But there are legitimate times in life when things happen out of our control, painful experiences, and they, they, they bring us to places in our life where we feel things that we have never felt before. In this particular case, it's an enemy. It says there in verse Uh, Verse 9, why do I go about mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. 
Again, we don't know the details, but verse 10, as a shattering of my bones, my adversaries, they revile me. So there are, there are people in this person's life that are coming against him and hurting him and saying things about him. And so it doesn't seem like he is at fault here, but he is experiencing pain and suffering at the hands of someone else completely under the sovereign hand of God. But the enemy wants to use those things to destroy this particular writer as he wants to destroy us. And so through this series, we have talked about those times and seasons of life of change and hardship and pain. I was talking with someone Friday night as the news was unfolding about Samuel Green and just, just thinking through that, I, and I actually told the person, I said, I bet you last Sunday the Green family never dreamed that they would be having a funeral today. You don't plan for those things. Sam was here two weeks ago and I stood right there and talked with him. I had a great conversation with him. He was here with Monk Struble. And in God's providence, for reasons we have no idea why, God took him. These things, they come up and and they're hard. They're hard. But we have the scriptures to navigate the waters. Because not only does this writer sing songs of being in a drought and feeling like he's drowning, he sings songs of deliverance. And that's the third point this morning. If you would look in verse 5, because he starts preaching to himself And as this is a song for the choir, he is singing this to his soul. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. Hope in God. He tells his soul to find hope. Now, hope is not just Wishful thinking. (laughs) I was hopeful that the Gators would win yesterday. (laughs) And some of you who know the Gators this year, you're like, yeah, that was wishful thinking. So we can hope a lot of things. But biblical hope is trusting in what God has promised to do, but he's not finished yet. That's biblical hope. Because if God has promised it, it's legit. And it's going to happen. We haven't seen the end of it, but it's going to happen. And our writer says, Hope in God, for I shall again praise you. That is the song of deliverance. Verse 8, right in the middle of all these things, the writer just 
puts us in here. It says, The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night. So in the middle of like what he's feeling, the despair and everything, he, he surfaces back to truth, and he says, The Lord's mercy will be there all day long. It will be there for me. And God's song, it will be there in the night. As Sarah spoke of, of those night watches and, and the truth that was sustaining her. He speaks and sings of truth, and the truth is what delivers. Verse 11 as well, he kind of concludes, Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my heart. So he does not stay in his just wallowing in his pain and his suffering, but he moves toward his confidence in truth. Chapter 43, he as well says, if you do, not chapter 43, Psalm 43, if you, and if you take them together, verse 3, he says, O oh, send out your light and your truth and let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. And then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. And then he ends again with hope in God, for I shall again praise you. So the songs of deliverance are songs of hope in God's promises, in the reality that he is not finished accomplishing his purposes, but it is going to happen. So we tell ourselves over and over and over, hope in God. And as 43, 3 and 4, send out your light and your truth and let them lead me. It's the truth that sustains Our feelings will not sustain us. It's the truth that sustains us. It's the knowledge of who God is and what he is doing and why we can trust him because he is worthy. We hope in God. So we preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And who is Jesus Christ? He's, he's the Savior. He was the promised one that for generations of God's people, they waited and waited and waited for one that would come, the one who had been promised, who would, in his one-time act of sacrifice, accomplish for mankind, what we could never do for ourselves. And Jesus did come, and he did accomplish on the cross what he came to do, and that was to absorb the wrath of God and pay the penalty for our sins. And if we, as God's creation, will turn to him, Jesus, as our Savior, God will wash us clean. He takes care of our sin, and he gives us a home in heaven part of God's family for all eternity. And so we have hope. We don't fully understand it yet. We haven't seen God face to face. We don't know what all is prepared for us, but we know that there is something coming that's far beyond anything that we can imagine. And so the pain and suffering here and now is real and it's hard. But our hope 
And that's what we preach to ourselves. We hope in God. And let God raise our countenance and let the truth guide us and lead us one step after another, even when we don't feel like it. I read this this week. I thought it was so helpful in regards to even the passage that we're speaking of. The tidal wave of true separation, because that's what this writer is feeling. He's feeling drought, right? He's feeling that he is, he is drowning without God's presence, which isn't possible. The tidal wave of true separation from the Father washed over another. Who is that another? Jesus Christ. So that it never need wash over us. If we have been adopted into God's family, if you have repented of your sins and looked to Jesus Christ for your Savior and your hope of freedom from sin, then you are part of God's family and you are secure in him and he will not separate from you. It doesn't matter what you feel like. He will never let you go. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8 makes that very clear. There's not one circumstance in this life, even though we feel like it, and even though the voices may say to us, authored in the evil one, where is your God? He is not here. Know that the only true separation came when Jesus went to the cross and took upon him the wrath of God that was meant for us. So that we will never be separated from our God. That tidal wave that was meant for us, was given to Jesus. And so, therefore, we do actually have real hope, not wishful thinking. Like, hope anchored in a truth-telling God who cannot lie, that he has a plan, and he's working it out, And it does include hardship, suffering, and pain. But it is for our good and for his glory. And he wants us to trust him through the process. And so we lament over and over and over as much as we need to. God, I'm coming to you because I know I should not run away. I don't feel like it. In fact, what I feel is that you're gone, you're not there, and I don't understand. And God, would you bring me back to a place where I trust your word and I believe what you say? And then we end with that statement of truth. And as I mentioned that illustration of being a little kid in the ocean and you feel like the waves have just come over you but your instinct kicks in, it's like instinct for us. We stand up in hope. When the, when the waves come, we stand up in hope because it's our instinct. It's truth. And we believe it. So preach the gospel to yourself over and over 
and over. And don't stop. We stand up in hope. Would you bow with me as we close? Wherever you are in the spectrum, if you're at a one, stand up and hope in God today. If you're a five, stand up and hope in God today. And if you're a 10, stand up and hope in God today. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. So preach to your soul and trust him and find in him the help that your heart needs. Take a moment and respond. God, we as your people stand this morning collectively to say that we hope in you. We understand there are many hardships in our church family during this season. And so God, I pray that you would help us together to sing songs of deliverance. We understand drought, we understand drowning, but we're very, very clear on deliverance. And we know that what you have promised is what you will deliver. And so this morning, we once again just say thank you for our living hope. And as we conclude our worship, God, with this song of praise, would you just strengthen our hearts as we go from this place to just keep running to you as our wonderful good father who is there and will never leave us and will never forsake us thank you god for the hope that we have in christ in jesus name we pray amen